better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast presented by locked on it's joe marino and kyle Krabs from the draft network and we are your hosts here on this wednesday edition of the show we've got a smorgasbord of topics to get into kyle's been awake for less than 15 minutes good morning good morning I've been awake for less than 15 minutes, and yet you are the one who almost flubbed what day it is on the intro. You know, the day of the week thing is back for me being an issue. <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving oh. was hard on the reset button. You know, brother, this is the you did this in the TDN Slack channel. Yeah. What was it on Monday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. It's mock draft Monday. Joe's like, oh, yeah. We're doing pretty good today. Yeah. Numbers good content are good. today. Your numbers are good. You're right. <laughs> It's Monday. <laughs> we were well behind the previous Monday's pace, so it wasn't a good day. But, uh, you know, whatever. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> Kyle, what's up, dude? I am, uh, man, this Ron Rivera news hit me some kind of way. I, I think we expected it, right? Like, going into the year was always identified as a really important year for him. Uh, the team had not performed that well since 2015. Had the 11 and five year, I think in 2017, but really it's been an injured football team and the results haven't been there. And with a new ownership group and Dave Tepper taking over, you know, he kind of let last year be the year where he was in observation mode and didn't come in and make sweeping changes. And I think we all kind of knew that going into this year, Ron was going to have to have this team perform at a really high level. One that would convince Dave Tepper that, Ron's the guy like you you can sustainably win and be good every year and, and last year was the or this year was the year to prove that well it didn't happen right and, and Cam got hurt in the preseason tried to play through two games and, and next thing you know Kyle Allen's in he starts hot and then he everyone is reminded of why he was uh, you know like a not anyone's preferred draft pick and lost his starting job in college and all that type of stuff so it's this is I think this is where it's hard for me. Ron Rivera is a good man, right? Like I think that's the big thing that has been obvious with him is nobody has a bad thing to say about Ron Rivera, and he's really respected. And he's a good football coach, and I don't know, man. I just don't like to see people like that get fired. I think you can win with Ron Rivera. The Panthers have, and I think that there's been issues. I, I put a tweet out yesterday. I said I can sit here and talk to you about things that are wrong with the Carolina Panthers, and it's going to be until after Christmas, until I get to the parts where I start thinking about Ron Rivera as one of those issues. But nonetheless, as I slept on it, I I guess I get it because it felt like maybe it's time for a change for both. Ron's not responsible in a lot of ways for a lot of things with this football team and why it's not succeeding right now. But maybe for him, it's time for something different, and for Carolina, it's time for something different as – Tepper gets himself aligned with a, a, an overhauled football department. I feel bad for him uh, just because I, I do have so much respect for him living in this community and seeing what him and his wife do for this community. And, and uh, you know, I think that's important in the football team. You know, it's, it's wins and losses matter, but 
you know, being proud of of the guy that represents your city is is another thing too. And and Ron Rivera uh, always um, would make you feel proud that you know he was the head coach of the football team in your city. So I, I have all kinds of feelings on this. I, I've come around to understanding it, but man, I felt like it stung me quite a bit when the news came through. Well, I think my big two takeaways is. Dave Tepper is going to put a big old stamp on everything that happens Yeah, under his watch now. You know, this was – you mentioned him not coming in and kind of steamrolling stuff and, and having an observation period. Tepper's – like, he seems like a really chill dude when you watch him in interviews and stuff. And then you hear the stories of, like, did you hear <laughs> about, like, the Revenge Mansion? Yeah, dude, I've heard it all. He's, he's wild, man. Like, bought – for if you're not familiar with this story, he bought a mansion in like I don't even know the Bahamas or something on like an island. He bought a mansion on an island that used to belong to the wife of his former boss at Goldman Sachs who passed him over for a promotion and he tore the whole thing down and built a mansion twice its size on the same property. Like he, he is, he's already put a cha- a Lombardi trophy championships case in Carolina's facility and it's empty. Did you know that? Yes. <laughs> like he's going all in. And I think it's fascinating because Dave Tepper seems like the kind of guy who may be receptive. He's talking about an analytics department and, new chain of command for football operations like Marty Herney's probably gonna get phased out at the end of the year I don't know man he 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 endorsed Herney yesterday that was confusing for me he said he was a good evaluator of college talent that was like his quote uh man I thought he was I listened I like watched that press conference or whatever it was like interview session and like he was endorsing Herney and like talking about having to build the, the, the front office around him with like an assistant GM and like a, like a uh, football operations guy. Okay. Well, that'll, <laughs> that'll be an interest. That'll be a fascinating thing to, to see manifest. Um, yes. But as far as Ron goes, because I, I think for Dave Tepper, it was Dave Tepper made this investment in the Panthers. He's watching it progress and it's not going the way he wants it to. And he says, okay, well, let me kind of take in the culture. And as you said, it's not that Ron did anything wrong. It was, we're going to do it my way. Yeah. And I can't have certain pieces of the old guard be here if we're going to do it my way. I I was thinking of criticisms for Ron Rivera that I can get behind. And, and, and somebody, I had some good discussions about this yesterday with people on Twitter. Somebody brought this to my attention and I thought it was fair. Uh, I think that Cam or that Ron res- does, does deserve blame for several things, and and one the the management of Cam Newton and his injuries. Uh, that's been a big reason why the team hasn't been successful. But I think we can go back and look at twenty sixteen. We can go back and look at twenty eighteen, and we can look back at this year in just two games and say, you know what, man, everybody knew Cam was hurt, but you didn't step in and do anything about it. You you just trusted because he told you he was okay. You right. just trusted him when when the the physical evidence, what your eyes are telling you, is not the same. 
And that probably that maybe led to those injuries becoming more severe and put the football team in a bad position. I think that's a fair criticism for Ron. Number two is that once he lost McDermott in 17 and Wilkes in 18, the defense hasn't been the same. It's not been that defense that, uh, you know, was always in the top 10 for a long stretch of time. And, and with well, you know, a lot of the same personnel. Yeah. And that, that's a good point. A lot of the same personnel. Yeah. It's it, it, the identity is just was gone. And, you know, I, I think you've seen that a little bit in Philly too, where they've lost several assistants and not been able to kind of pick up the pieces and go. And yeah, I think Ron deserves some criticism for that as well. And I, I know it takes time to replace, you know, really good coordinators like McDermott and Wilkes, but you know, it's it didn't happen. And and Ron, you got the job because of your ability to coordinate defense, right? Like that's why you got the gig. Right. You know, right. and you needed to be able to get that going and keep that going and, and not have as big of it. I mean, they're in the twenties now, man. Like they're not this isn't Panthers defense. So like if you want to that's the stuff that I'll cling to is you know, to and and as well as understanding that look, if, if I bought a football team, I would want to put my stamp on it and I think that Tepper did a good job of not being overly quick to just blow everything up and clean house. He he gave it almost two full years, so kudos to him. Uh, but, man, good man, good football coach. I think somebody else should hire him to be their coach, man. Well, Browns or something. That, that's my point and what I want to get into. You said you felt bad for Ron Rivera, and anytime anybody loses their job, it's unfortunate, and, and you don't want to see that from the human element of football. But I'm going to give Ron Rivera the Jerry Jones treatment right now. He's going to be an NFL head coach next year. Yeah. Jerry Jones said that about Jason Garrett, and he elected to admit the part where he said it would be for the Dallas Cowboys. Well, Ron just got fired from Carolina, so he's not going to be a head coach in Carolina. He's going to be a head coach next year because, Joe, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is Ron Rivera a upgrade over Adam Gase? Sure is. Is Ron Rivera an upgrade over Freddie Kitchens? By a billion. Now, uh, Zach Taylor won't get fired, but would Ron Rivera be a upgrade over Zach Taylor? Yeah, I, of course. Of course. Would Ron Rivera be an upgrade over Doug Marone? <laughs> yes. Would Ron Rivera be an upgrade over Bill Callahan in Washington? Yes. Would Ron Rivera be an upgrade over Pat Shermer with the New York Giants? Yes. Do we think Ron Rivera might be an upgrade over Matt Patricia in Detroit? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, there you go. That, that's yeah, he's get, he's all, all of the mildly reasonable teams that could feasibly have a coaching change this year. And Ron's a better coach than every single coach that yeah. every single one of those teams has. He's named like 25% of the league. Probably more, dude. He he is going to be the hot hire. I think one team is going to prioritize him, attack him. I would love to see it be the Giants. That was what I wrote through in in today. I provided a, a TDN my blueprint to fix the New York Giants. I said, get Gettleman and Rivera the band back together in New York. And when Gettleman was fired, Ron Rivera said it kind of caught him off guard. And he said, no matter how heated or contested those conversations always got talking about personnel or ways to fix a team, they always talked through it. And Ron had nothing but good things to say about Gettleman after Gettleman was fired in 2017. 
New York's so going to need a head football coach. So that's that's my that's my perfect spot for Ron. Ron is literally having his press conferences. We record right now. Um, and he, he put a quote, he said out there, he says, um, he's proud to have taken over a two and 14 team and go on to win three division titles in a row. <laughs> My guy, there you go. Light a little fire on the way out. And then, uh, I thought it was interesting. He actually had a quote here. It says, I was surprised if anything, I thought it would happen at the end of the season. I think one of the things that I kind of liked about what Tepper said yesterday was that he, he, he gave Ron the courtesy of, Hey, when that decision was made, um, you know, we're we want it. We're, we're doing it. And yeah. and I think that's probably hard for a coach because they're so committed to what they do. And he's committed to this group of men and this group of coaches to leading them through this season, no matter what. Right. But yeah, I think in, in the reality and hindsight, it, it didn't make sense for Ron to continue investing his time, energy and effort into something that he wasn't going to be a part of beyond the next four weeks. And for Tepper, for him to be able to really engage with, you know, the search here for coaching. Uh, one last thing here. I know we want to move on, but, uh, Mike McCarthy is now the hot name this morning, uh, like Ian Rappaport. Carolina. Yeah, as potentially then that next guy. And, um, you know, it's so interesting to me because I don't know why the quarterback situation comes up to me in my mind so much about the next head coach. I don't think it should. I don't think they have any certainty about their long-term future at quarterback. So get the damn coach you believe in and then go from there. Uh, But uh, one name that was interesting, I was discussing this with some Panthers people, text message and stuff uh, over the last – I guess day and a half day or whatever, a name that we kind of talked about was Jay Gruden. And th- th- what's interesting about Jay Gruden, uh, he's not been a successful head coach, in my opinion, a poor situation over there in Washington. But if there's anything to develop inside of Will Greer <laughs> as a quarterback, you probably get the most opportunity to get that out of him with, with Jay Gruden. But uh, we'll see. I think, I think, Mike McCarthy's availability, the timing of the fire. We could see that move together pretty quickly. All right. We have some underclass and declarations to talk about today, too, as well. Say what? It's that time of year. So flooding in, man. (laughs) Yeah, we had uh, a mass exodus from Missouri. We had like every prospect from Missouri said, see you later. Um, Between Okawegbunam, Jordan Elliott, and Castillo yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The big ones, the most notable names so far, LaVisca Chenault, Jalen Rager. Those two guys for me are the big fish that we've seen declared at this point. Uh, I will. I see your Jalen Rager and LaVisca Chenault, and I'll raise you a Yeeter. Oh, yeah. Well, shoot. <laughs> Listen, somebody at the draft network as of this morning hasn't updated the underclassmen. I, I know. I know, Ben. Good, good morning. Good morning, Our ben. guy was at puppy class last night. Yeah, Meanwhile, take our puppies, puppy school. <laughs> Imagine so lacking puppy school, man. <laughs> we don't want to. I, I imagine Ben on his hands squealing and delighted all the puppies running around. Oh, hello. I, I see that, but I also see a huge level of frustration that he can't get the dog to behave in the ways that he hopes that it will, you know, like he just have a oh, very logical yeah, approach yeah. to it. Like, yeah, he's like Why I've can't communicated the dog's name is nugget, right? I have communicated to you that you are not supposed to do these actions. And I'm disappointed to hear that. You, you are not the, right. Right. You see like Ben just having like these very level headed conversations with its animal. Yeah. Um, lecturing his dog. 
Dog's <laughs> sitting there, tail wagging, just happy as can be. Yeah. Like, thanks for engaging with me, man. Oh, boy. Direct eye so contact. Like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Oh, yeah. So we had Yaturgros Matos came out yesterday. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of players that came out explicitly yesterday. Gross Matos came out yesterday. Chanel came out yesterday. Isaiah Hodgins. Um, Isaiah Hodgins, the wide receiver from Oregon State, came out yesterday. Let's see here. We're probably going to get into a run now that these teams are done playing games, the vast majority of them except for bowl games. We're probably going to get four or five a day. Every day until the middle of January. Anthony McFarlane was yesterday as well, running back from Maryland. Speed. Speed. <laughs> Dense five nine two hundred. Yeah, I think if you're kind of looking, for, I mean, and I think teams are. If you're looking for that dynamic dude out of the backfield to get in space and stuff, I mean, like kind of like maybe that Darwin Thompson role for Kansas City. I mean, someone's going to want to have Anthony McFarland for that for sure. The question, and, and it's interesting because this is—I don't want to call it a top-heavy running back class, but it's a good running back class. Is where where is the valuation of a niche guy like McFarland fall on the lexicon of the Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins, uh, like the, how how long will it take those five or six running backs? to get off the board and get into some of these picks? Or would somebody honestly really, truly pick Anthony McFarland ahead of J.K. Dobbins? I would be surprised if they did, but it, it comes down to the infrastructure of the team, right? Like, Sure. Some people are really surprised to see Miko Hardman get drafted where he did last year, kind of, I guess, a niche weapon to an extent. But Kansas City was the type of team that, in that situation, wherever it was 57 overall could pull the trigger and nobody would blink an eye. Oh my God. They could have had, you know, these other more dynamic or not that more dynamic, but more, uh, every down bigger role type receivers. But you know, they took me Cole Hardman. So some of that's going to come down to the team that, you know, their, their, uh, their eyes light up and they feel like, Hey, we really need to have this type of player. They're going to value them higher, but you know, I don't think he'll he's going to be a guy that's not going to he may get drafted a lot higher than we rank him. I know some people on our staff have him as a top 100 player. <laughs> Are you talking about Mr. Trevor Sikama? Oh, Trevor loves him. Yeah, Trevor uh, loves shiny things, you know, so that makes sense. <laughs> um, I, I think the round three is probably where I put his ceiling yeah but listen maryland stunk out loud after two games this year <laughs> like completely horrible never seen anything like it man i do not blame anybody who's eligible to declare for maryland to leave and get out of that situation but i also don't declare blame anybody who's not eligible to declare to enter the transfer portal and get the hell out of there so like I don't know if there's any stats on this. If there is, please somebody DM or tweet to me. Maryland was ranked this year. Has there ever been a team that's been ranked at some point in the year? Like they were ranked like week three. So like at least some level of the season has happened and then goes on to finish with a record 
of three and nine. Has that uh, ever I happened? Gonna, I was going to ask if they got the two and 10, that would be amazing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were, I mean, we were, and, uh, we were flustered over the Terps. And the way they won those games was incredible. 79 to nothing over Howard, 63 to 20 over Syracuse, who at the time I think we thought was at least a reasonable team. And then the wheels came off and then reality. <laughs> in the biggest way. Thank I you. mean, dude, they, they didn't score more than twice. Holy shnikes. After week three, they scored more than twice once. So if you took their final 10 games and you added up all the points, does it equate to the number of points they scored in the first two games? I don't think there's a chance. There's absolutely not a chance. They go 79 and 63, right? The first two games. Then they go 17, 0, 7, 14, 28, 10, 7, 14, 7, 16. No, they didn't get there. They they might have got three quarters. They might have got halfway. God. What? So get the hell out of there, Terps. What are you doing? Okay. Uh, all right. So speaking of college football rank, are we good here on underclassmen? Uh, you know, we're going to talk, we're going to talk prospects, prospects a ton here very soon, but yeah, once the games are over, yeah, that's, that's good. We've acknowledged them. Let's, let's talk about the playoff here to wrap us up. All right. What's, uh, what do you got there? I've, I think I've went first on like everything. So, well, if Utah wins, they're in. And it's very simple. Is that predictive or should they be, Kyle? I think they should be. If you if you took USC and you just switched the name with Utah, and USC has the resume that Utah has, is anybody going to say they shouldn't be in the college football playoff? So this is this is my big point that I wanted to make over these rankings, and it comes down to exactly what we're talking about. Utah is at number five, right? LSU and Georgia play two and four. So if LSU wins that game, Georgia's goodbye. If if Georgia wins that game, nothing may change, right? <laughs> There's a chance nothing may change. We'll right. see. Um, so Utah, number five, they play against Oregon, number 13, in their conference champion. The team behind Utah is Oklahoma. They play number seven, Baylor. To me, this is set up for... The committee to say, oh, we're more impressed with Oklahoma's college football or uh, conference championship win over a top seven team than we are Utah's performance over a uh, two loss org or now a three loss Oregon team. It's where we think Oklahoma should make the jump. You don't see that as a chance of that happening. I look at the way. Utah what if Baylor had... beats Oklahoma? Then they're out. No, Oklahoma. What about Baylor? What about Baylor though? Maybe twelve and one with the loss to Oklahoma. Right, twelve and one with a loss to Oklahoma. Don't I mean Utah? Utah twelve and one with a loss to USC, who's eight and four. I I just feel like I, I, to me, I like Utah. Right, Utah is my four team. If Utah wins, they're in my in my world. I just feel like this has been very specifically set up to give that Big 12 champion, whether it's Baylor or Oklahoma, a chance to leapfrog Utah based on style points. But, but here's the problem with that because they don't their full resume doesn't have the stop. Utah literally steamrolled everybody they played down the stretch. I know. They I killed le- people. Oklahoma 
lost to Kansas State, should have lost to Baylor, should have lost another game. Jalen Hurts had to bail him out from like double-digit second-half deficits like three times in the second half of the season. Baylor was like going to overtime with 5-7 and seven TCU. Brother, I'm with I think, you. I think Utah is playing their best football at the right time. If they come out and if they convincingly beat number 13, Oregon, whose losses, Oregon's losses were to an Auburn team that's ranked ahead of him in the college football playoff ranking and a shitty Arizona State team. O- Oregon was in position if they didn't lose to Arizona State to be in the shoes that Utah is in because they both would have been in the top eight. They would have had that positioning that the Big 12 teams had, but they were going to be in front of the Big 12 teams. I don't know. I, I, I would be very disappointed if Oklahoma jumped Utah because they beat Baylor. I feel like it's just kind of set up for that possibility. I think we've learned a valuable lesson this year, not only um, in picking games against the spread, but maybe for some of these schools, don't play Friday games. <laughs> Never play on Friday. Don't don't go if you're Utah. Don't go play at USC on a Friday night. Don't do right, it. Right, right. If that game's played at seven o'clock on Saturday or ten o'clock on Saturday, I don't think Utah loses thirty to twenty three to USC. It was weird and. USC beat, weren't they, they were, that was third string quarterback was what did them in. Like one of the best defenses in the nation, like personnel wise, scheme wise, love everything about this Utah defense. Got 30 points hung up on it on a freaking USC. Although my producer's pulling up that box score. Only, only Utah's only allowed more than 20 points. On three on two occasions this year, <laughs> this team's good, man. Yeah, this was um, Matt Fink, third string quarterback. Matt Fink came in, and, and this was a Michael Pittman. Oh yeah, he went, went off. He went ten for two thirty two and a touchdown. So you don't think? I mean, the, the committee can't say, "Well, we're really impressed with either Baylor, or Oklahoma's win." And when we think about it, Utah lost to a third-string quarterback to USC. And look, if they go out and they kick Oregon's ass, then I think that's end of discussion. But if it's a tight game and either Baylor or Oklahoma wins convincingly, like I think there's a pathway for this to flip. Brother, this is the weirdest. This is the biggest anomaly game of all time. <laughs> you, Abner- you, Utah won the turnover differential, two to one. They possessed the ball for over thirty-eight minutes. USC finished the game with thirteen rushing yards. <laughs> Utah had eleven more first downs in the game. Utah had over seventy-five more yards of total offense. They put up four hundred fifty-seven points. USC put up three eighty-one. 27 first downs to 16 for USC. USC holds the ball for 20 minutes, 20, uh, 13 rushing yards, and 16 first downs and scores 30 points. Don't play Friday night games, man. 
Don't play Friday night games ever in your life. And play Idaho State on Friday night. Don't play USC on Friday night. In USC. In, in the <laughs> you're Coliseum. Playing, you're playing a road conference game? No. On Friday. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. Oh, man. It's going to be messy. Yeah, but it's, it'll sort itself out, right? Like, I mean, I think Ohio, we'll talk, we'll talk about it more tomorrow. <laughs> We'll give our picks against the spread. We'll kind of get into yep. the conference championship games tomorrow. I think that sounds like a great idea, Joe. I think it sounds like a great time to shut down the pod. Thank everybody for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Ask them to hit subscribe. Come back and see us tomorrow. We're going to do conference championship picks against the spread. And then Friday, we're going to be overviewing the NFL slate for the week. And then next week, we got the mock draft coming. Yeah. So lots of good stuff up on the horizon. Make sure you come back and see us. Kyle Crab sign off with Joe Marino. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.